If you'll take your Bibles out, we'd like to read our scripture lessons today. Our Old Testament text is Proverbs chapter 26, verse 20. Page numbers for these passages are listed in the bulletin for the Pew Bibles. Most of you probably don't use the Pew Bibles. You have your own device or you have a, a confirmation Bible or something. But if you use a Pew Bible, the page numbers are there so you can find these passages. Very simple little verse. Really provides the uh, nexus for what we want to, the subject we want to consider today. Listen here to God's word. For lack of wood, the fire goes out. And where there is no whisperer, contention quiets down. Amen. Then please turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We'll read the first 12 verses. Now if you have a pew Bible, you'll see the, it looks as though 1 Thessalonians, if you look in the bulletin, looks like 1 Thessalonians comes before Proverbs. Because the Proverbs text is in, on page 473, while the 1 Thessalonians text is on page 159. The reason for that is that they start the pagination at, verse, at, at number 1 again with the New Testament. So it's page 139 in the New Testament in the Pew Bibles. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, the first 12 verses. Listen here to God's word. For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain. But after we had already suffered and been mistreated in Philippi, as you know, we had the boldness in our God to speak to you the gospel of God amid much opposition. For our exhortation does not come from error or impurity or by the way of deceit. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, think about that those of you who were charged today, just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who examines our hearts. For we never came with flattering speech, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed, God is witness, nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, even though as apostles of Christ we might have asserted our authority. But we proved to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. Having so fond an affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you had become very dear to us. For you recall, brethren, our labor and hardship, how working night and day so as not to be a burden to any of you, we proclaimed to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and so is God, how devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly we behaved toward you believers. Just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father would his own children so that you would walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Amen. Then our primary text is Acts chapter 21. We'll read verses 27 through the first part of verse 31. Just a little snippet here today, not much, just a little bit that gives us some insight. And we'll have some insight about the hope. Listen here again to God's word. When the seven days were almost over, 
the Jews from Asia, upon seeing Paul in the temple, began to stir up all the crowd and laid hands on him, crying out, Men of Israel, come to our aid. This is the man who preaches to all men everywhere against our people and the law and this place. And besides, he has even brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. For they had previously seen Trophimus, the Ephesian, in the city with Paul, and they supposed that Paul had brought him, Trophimus, into the temple. Then all the city, then all the city was provoked, and the people rushed together, and taking hold of Paul, they dragged him out of the temple, and immediately the doors were shut. While they were seeking to kill him, we'll continue next week. We stop there. They're trying to kill him. All right. We'll take just a few moments to bow our heads and silently meditate upon God's word, which we've read. Heavenly Father, come help us. We need your word. True food for our souls. Able to build us up. Able to give us strength, wisdom, knowledge for the path we are to walk. Come Holy Spirit. Bless us by your work among us. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, that's quite a riot that broke out in Jerusalem. All of a sudden from a peaceful scene that goes there to a crowd coming together and they're trying to kill Paul. We say, wow, things were different 2,000 years ago. A lot different than now. Uh, someone just hollered out an accusation, called for help, and multitudes sprang to their responded and they're going to kill this poor guy Paul. Think about that and then think about in the last year we've had Ferguson and Baltimore regardless of what you think about all that but same sort of thing call out and people come and, and riots happen. Have you heard about Asiya Bibi? You know who Asiya Bibi is? She's a Christian Pakistani woman who in 2009 she's just a normal uh, worker who, who works out in the fields, a day laborer, and uh, she works with mostly Muslim people, uh, are her co-workers, and she drank from the same gourd they drank from, and they were insulted. And a dialogue ensued, and they accused her of blasphemy, blasphemy against Muhammad. She was arrested, sentenced to death by hanging. Uh, she had people who worked with her to appeal that decision, uh, some officials who said that that law should be changed, and in October, in just a couple of weeks, the Supreme Court of Pakistan will hear her case and decide whether or not she should be hung for blasphemy, for drinking out of a gourd, as those women did. There's some pressure on the Supreme Court because some of the officials who were helping her and working for her cause have also been assassinated since then. I say all those things simply to make aware to us that things are not so different for us in our day than they were back in that day. We sometimes think they are, but they're not. And actually, I would suppose that there are situations like these, big and small, 
all over the world where people are putting wood on a fire to keep it going one way or the other. So Proverbs 26, 20 to me has the ring of truth. Everyone is putting wood on a fire. You are. You talk. You express opinions. Sometimes about world affairs. Sometimes about sports figures. Sometimes about philosophical issues. Sometimes about the guy that lives next door. But our conversation is putting wood on the fire. For good or for ill. The media is actively doing it intentionally. They choose the news that they report. They choose how it's reported. They choose what shows will be on and what they'll say, what, what type of shows. All in that is putting wood on the fire. I'm doing it every Sunday. I'm doing it right now. I'm trying to put wood on your fire uh, to, to yearn for God, to look for truth, to seek to serve Him. I want to do that. I want to stimulate you. I want to exhort you to, to do so. So there's nothing wrong with being fired up. The question is, what are you fired up about? And what, what basis do you have for that? I think that the Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Thessalonians, provides some excellent insight for us. Verses 3 through 6 in particular. In those verses, he outlines three potential motives for why we put wood on particular fires. He says it could be because of error, deceit, or impurity. Now he says, I've done none of the... None, I have done none of those. But let's consider those things, each of those, for just a second here. Error. How can someone put wood on a fire in error? Because they simply don't know the facts. But they speak into the issue and say, here's this, this, and this, and it's wrong. They, they got it all wrong. They don't know that. They think they got it right. You talk with people who say that there are many gods. Well, they're in error. They may think they're right, but they're in error because there's only one God. Or you talk with people who say there is no God at all. Their teaching, their conversation is in error. They think they're right, but they're wrong. There is a God. How about deceit? Deceit is when you deliberately distort information. Sometimes by distorting it and making it say what it does not say. <clears throat> Sometimes by leaving out what needs to be there. So you can distort and can deceive by adding on or taking away. By distortion or by leaving out. I think, now if you read through that, that text, we don't have time to do it today, but you would see that oftentimes greed lies behind deceit to skew things in such a way that you'll give to my cause or give to what, buy whatever it is that I'm selling. Uh, sometimes it's not greed, but it's malicious uh, hatred of someone where you will deliberately malign their character, deceitfully saying what you know is not true. This Asiya Bibi, this woman in Pakistan, that's what's happened to her. Others have deliberately maligned her, have by deceit put wood on that fire, and it's about ready to consume her. 
or sometimes by way of impurity, Paul says. And this would be where people are seeking to gain approval for that which is deviant in character. That is, we want you to approve our sinful behavior. And so all kinds of things, it's to seek the glory of man is how Paul deals with it here. And this is massively happening all across our land where we call evil good and we call good evil. That's an example of what Paul talks about here. It says some people come by various ways, some by impurity. Knowingly know what they're doing is bad and want other people to approve it. Now consider the situation in Jerusalem at the time this uh, incident happens with Paul. The people who make the assertion against him, the charge, are Jews from Asia. That is from right around the area where Ephesus is. They would have known about Paul. In fact, they, they say, we know who this guy is. He's a troublemaker. He's a rabble-rouser. He's trying to overthrow, overthrow the law, this temple, and our whole way of life. He's no good. Uh, they were people who were in error. Because they saw Paul in Jerusalem with Trophimus, who was a pagan, who was a Gentile, they assumed, when they saw Paul in the temple, that he had brought Trophimus in there. That's the best reading of that. Uh, that's what I think Luke would suggest here. It could be that they knew that he did not, but they said we could still associate them. And so then it would be deceit. They're looking to malign his character. But we don't know that. Now the Temple Mount area, doing a little, little uh, makeup for lots of folks, the Temple Mount area was about 32 acres big. So it was not just a small place. And uh, from the outside to the very center of it, it got increasingly uh, narrow with regard to who could enter there. There was an outside court called the Court of the Gentiles where anyone in the whole world could go there and be in the Temple Mount area, could go right there. But between where that Court of the Gentiles was and the next court was, there was a fence called the Sarag, about four to four and a half feet high, and it had entrances every whip stitch where people could go in. But alongside each entrance was a sign written in Greek, not Hebrew, but written in Greek that said, if you go beyond this point here and you're not a Jew, you take your life in your own hands because if we discover it, you'll be killed, you'll be executed. And the Romans gave them authority to do that in that case. And so when the Jews from Asia accused Paul of bringing a Gentile, Trophimus, into the temple courts, they mean beyond that Soreg. And it's placarded around that if, if that's the case, you're subject to death, you're at your own risk. The thing was, they, they started a riot. What the Romans would allow was for a duly ordered legal process by which violators could be executed by the Jews, but no riots. So the Romans, we stopped where they were trying to kill Paul. Next week, the title of the sermon is Government Interventions. The Romans are going to come. We'll see what happens. Now, some things for us to consider. Just two things, with several points under each one, of course. Number one. What would 
are you allowing to be put on your fires? What do you listen to? What do you watch? What do you read? All those things are wood being put on your fire and trying to start fires in particular places, if you would. What's being put on your wood via your eyes, your ears, and where you place your body, where you allow your body to go? What wood is being brought to bear on you? That could be both positive and negative. So my question is this, what do you need to adjust? Remember Jesus said, if the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? What are you fired up about and why? Are you aware of the motivations that lie behind those folks who are throwing wood on your fire? Is it error? Is it deceit? Is it impurity? The first point. Second point. What wood are you giving out for others to put on their fire? Are you passing along rumors, gossip, inappropriate remarks? We're all putting out wood there. What wood are we doing? We're called, you remember this from, from the book of Hebrews, we're called to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Is the wood that you're putting on the fires of the people around you doing that or not? What should be our burning passion for ourselves and for others? What kind of fire do we want to ignite and stoke and keep growing? Verse 12 of 1 Thessalonians 2 tells us, this is my cry for my heart, my cry for you. For everyone, that you would walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. That's a good prayer. Oh God, help us, help me to burn with a desire to walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls me, who calls us into his kingdom and his glory. It's rally day. We want to get fired up, but we want to get fired up with the right motivations, with the right objects. May God help it be so. Amen.